Hello, this is your host Haley, and welcome to Straight Talk with the Doc. I'm here with our expert, addiction medicine specialist, Dr. Bott, to break down topics on addiction, mental health, and treatment. How are you doing, Dr. Bott? I'm good, Haley. How are you doing? I'm doing good, too. Thank you. So, Dr. Bott, you've worked with many people who have dealt with a mental health disorder, and some disorders being more common than others. And certain disorders can be brought on by traumatic events. In America, 70% of adults have experienced some type of traumatic event at least once in their lives. Some recover just fine, some need a little help to recover, and others have long-lasting effects. I want to talk about that today, and I also want to go over the link between trauma and addiction. But first, I want to talk about what defines a traumatic experience. Dr. Bott, what qualifies as a traumatic experience, and are there different types of trauma? That's a good question, and I think many people hear the word trauma now, and often they can confuse it with a more um, qualified diagnostic mental illness as post-traumatic stress disorder, and they often can equate one to another. And um, so I'm glad you're asking that because yes, you need a traumatic event to have post-traumatic stress disorder, but not all traumas lead to post-traumatic stress disorder. So what types of traumas exist? Well, first of all, trauma is defined as something that somebody experiences that leads to a uh, physical, psychological, emotional consequence that is enduring or temporary that causes distress. And there's different types of traumas that can occur. And, uh, you know, many people uh, who lose individuals uh, have a loss of death in the family somebody who's experienced some sort of physical, domestic, or sexual type of violence or assault. Often medical illnesses can be traumatic. Even, you know, of course, we see people in the military um, when they go off into war and combat. Um, Many of our veterans have been exposed to a lot of uh, very traumatic experiences just due to the violence and and stuff that they experience um, being in the military. There's other things that we do experience that can be traumatic, such as natural, natural disasters, separation from people. Um, so there, there are many, bullying, bullying can be very traumatic. Um, even neglect can be traumatic. So there are multiple different types of, uh, or classifications or instances that uh, can be traumatic to an individual that leads to that psychological, emotionally, physical distress. And, um, and that could lead to ultimately the development of the actual mental illness, PTSD. So does it matter when the trauma happens in someone's life? You know, is it different when it happens to a child versus an adult? The difference has to be with how the the experience has been appreciated and how your cognition is there, the resiliency at that time, how the brain from the the different parts of the brain communicate and relate to one another and interpret that experience. And so cognition has a lot to do with it. I do believe the more we are aware of something, um, there are other underlying risk factors that could or could not be present. The presence or absence of um, associated mental illnesses that could be there increase our risk or decrease our resilience. So when you talk about like time frame or age, I believe if you're not 
cognitively intact or you haven't developed a level of cognition, sometimes maybe just your lack of awareness. If you're very early in childhood where you're not aware, you cannot recall um, those memories. So maybe you're a little bit more immune to, to the presence of something that you um, can't appreciate um, cognitively. Whereas as we get older or we cognitively intact, um, of course, then we can record and remember and be aware of, of that um, experience and it becomes more vivid to us. And um, again, I think if we uh, have vulnerabilities there, it, whether they be mental, physical, um, they can increase our risk for that trauma being more um, uh, profound to the individual. So it's not as much the age. I mean, that plays a part, of course, but it's more so their level of resilience. Yes, I think it goes hand in hand. It's so it's compounding, it's together, it's collective. Um, so, um, of course, if we have childhood trauma, it can have maybe more of an enduring effect because it's happening during our development. And it's happening during periods where we might not have gained certain resiliencies or coping or experiences. And, um, you know, we are often dependent on, you know, other people as our caregivers. So childhood experiences, childhood traumatic events can have lifelong enduring effects. So I don't want to negate age or minimize it in this conversation at all. Um, you know, childhood traumas are a huge component for people developing long lasting effects, but also at the same time, many children are resilient. And again, I gave you that example of it, our ability to recall certain things or not and how well we can not just recall a memory, but the memory being, um, you know, cemented in our brain in the first place. So, um, yeah, it's all related. One study I saw, it was a study of adolescents who were receiving treatment for substance abuse, and it found that 70% of them had a history of trauma exposure. Why does childhood trauma lead to substance abuse? So childhood trauma can lead to substance abuse because, you know, Trauma is related to the development of mental illness, depression, anxiety, um, and, and mental illness is often related to substance use disorders. So it's all connected. Um, does it have to occur? No. But does it increase your risks? Um, yes. So many times when we first start to, to use substances, we're doing it um, in an experimenting um, you know, a, a in an attempt experiment uh, to fit in, to try. But after time, depending on the fact that that alcohol or drugs have, you know, it could be used as a coping mechanism. So if there's something that you're trying to escape from, a negative emotion, a physical pain, um, some sort of memory that is, um, of course, um, you know, negatively affecting someone, and, and then by using a drug, it, it helps us escape from them or blunt the pain then it, it can reinforce us to continue to use. So if we do have more traumatic experiences and negative psychological consequences as a result, and then we go and chase or use drugs or alcohol as a, as a mechanism to cope, then that increases our chance of developing a substance use disorder. And what can people do to help? You know, How can you stop someone who had a traumatic childhood experience from using substances to cope? Well, first of all, you know, we, we have to address the, the traumatic experience in the first place. So we're, we're, we're under the assumption here that the child has not developed a substance use disorder or is not using drugs. So the proper treatment to address that traumatic experience is, is first and foremost, 
So if somebody has, you know, developed some sort of um, depression or anxiety or many different types of psychological effects that could happen depending on the type of trauma, neglect or physical abuse or sexual abuse, well, therapies that can um, address the symptoms that are a consequence of, of that uh, offending um, trauma should be taken care of. And so if, if we address the consequences of, of any traumatic event, we can minimize um, the, the usage of drugs to cope with that because we're giving a proper therapeutic intervention. So that's really the best way to help prevent uh, subsequent substance use in order for somebody to maybe self-medicate. And that's really um, getting the proper treatment and proper therapies and having it acknowledged. Validation without um, embellishing it or uh, unfortunately regurgitating it. I do believe traumas um, often inadvertently are um, over-processed um, and unfortunately uh, projected by others, especially when it does with children, because children might be coping with it, might be dealing with it, but the subjective appraisal of the caregiver might be more um, hey, something had to have happened, something had to, this person could not, and they're projecting their own sentiment and their own uh, appreciation of the event. And, and then sometimes they're digging um, more than they should. And, and, and some studies after 9-11 have showed how debriefing sometimes have had negative consequences of people who've had um, traumatic events happen to them. So, you know, the short answer is, Make sure we address it without complicating it, um, and that will minimize uh, further risk that substance use occurred due to that traumatic event. At the start of the episode, you mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder. Can you quickly explain, you know, what is PTSD? Where's that line between just trauma and PTSD? So, you know, trauma is the event or the subjective appraisal of that event and how we deal with it emotionally. Um, and how we respond to that. But PTSD is an actual, you know, cluster of diagnostic criteria of symptomatology that is altogether a mental illness. And that usually occurs when somebody is exposed to a, a, a life-threatening or perceived life-threatening event. So there has to be that initial criteria that a person has witnessed, perceived, um, had exposure to, or even through a loved one or somebody close to them indirectly, um, you know, some sort of event that they perceived as seriously, um, you know, life-threatening to them. Um, it could be sexual, it could be physical, it could be a natural disaster, but it has to be of significant magnitude. So it has to have that, you know, initial stressor. But beyond that, which is the trauma, then they have, uh, you know, a, a second set of, of criteria where they have, you know, persistent, you know, like this re-experiencing these intrusive symptoms where they might have nightmares or flashbacks and uh, they have a lot of distress, like things that will remind them of that event. And with it, because of those things, they avoid anything that might, um, you know, remind them Um any thoughts or feelings that will occur due to those, um, you know, triggers. And, and then that leads to a, a fourth set of criteria that their mood gets altered. They can't recall certain things. They have negative depression, depressed affect. 
they often feel isolated. The, you know, depressive types of symptoms will, will occur. And then the last major one is that they have to have this increased irritability or hypervigilance or hyper like reactive state. So, and I bring this all up together as these sets of criteria because all together lasting over a period of a month in response to that significant distress uh, or trauma and functionally having all of these impairment, that's where you have this um, post-traumatic stress disorder. So that distinguishes it from one traumatic event and the experienced response that could be limited versus the PTSD, which is a combination of all these things that I just went over. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I feel like most people think of PTSD being in military service members, you know, which is true. I read that as many as 500,000 service members who've served over the last 13 years have been diagnosed with PTSD. But what other populations often also develop PTSD? We see PTSD often in, in, in victims of sexual abuse. Um, that's very high. And unfortunately, women um, or anybody who has been exposed to, um, you know, sexual violence, battery, um, it just happens to occur more often in women. Um, but that's that's one population. We see people who have been exposed to psychological traumas, torment, um, prisoners, um, bullying that can cause um, people to suffer from PTSD, um, often first responders. We see police officers, EMS, frontline workers in the emergency rooms. They see things that most of us don't see. And um, we, we see people that are in, in, in significant states of, 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 of not just uh, you know, bodily injury, but then um, you know, the whole perception of how that bodily injury occurred paints this mental picture that really can be... Um, you know, traumatizing and re-traumatizing. Um, people who've experienced a natural disaster, people who have been in earthquakes or hurricanes or, or have had significant, um, you know, displacement due to that or an effect of that. Um, you know, so there's m many different populations who, um, who can get it besides the military. But we do often see, again, in, in those people that I just, uh, I, I just mentioned. And, um, you know, the, the bottom line is everybody needs to have it addressed and it, it be taken care of and the treat, proper treatment provided to them. Do people with PTSD often struggle with addiction? And, you know, if so, how common is that? We do see it. You know, um, there's varying percentages with that. We do see trauma as an underlying major, um, I guess, um, relational thing when it comes to um to substance use disorders in general. So there are some studies that say that the significant major proportion of people who suffer with substance have some sort of traumatic history and um, that's unresolved and it's still unprocessed within them. And that has led to an increased risk factor for them developing a substance use disorder. And then and PTSD, um, we often see uh, very high numbers um, often through studies through the Veterans Administration, um, we do see many people who have PTSD who do suffer with um, alcohol or other substance uh, use disorders. So the numbers are high. They're higher than the general population for sure. And um, 
you know, it, it's like any other co-occurring uh, mental illness. For the most part, when it's there, um, the risk factors are up. So um, we, we do see this in higher amounts. But trauma in itself, um, it's, it's, it's a huge percentage when it comes to, um, you know, people who suffer with substance use disorder. So that's something that you kind of want to identify when somebody comes in for treatment for an addiction. Yeah, definitely. Because, see, one thing is that first part of addiction is, is and it's not just trauma in this case. Once we get them through the, the initial phases of getting them off the substances, which could be through detoxification, so they're properly medically taken off. Well, then a lot of the, once the, the, the drugs are removed, then the symptoms that are festering or the underlying medical or mental health conditions that were were maybe the triggers or or unresolved, they start to finally uh, show up and, and it's unmasked then. And so, yes, trauma, um, and, and it, again, it could be neglect. It doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be natural. It could be, again, many different ways people perceive something that's traumatic. Um, I think the key point here is that these are, processed and these are uh, resolved and they're they're brought to a more adaptive stage in that person's life so that cognition or that memory is handled uh, in a better way if it's in, in itself tied into that substance use and and that really is the key to uh, recovery. Dr. Bot, is there anything else on this topic that you want to discuss or you think people should know? The key is if, if somebody's experienced something traumatic um, even if it's um, not as significant as a widespread natural disaster on an individual basis. The key is to get the proper help and to get the proper treatment to make sure that they monitor that, that this is not correlating to any substance use disorders or any other maladaptive substance abuse or any other type of behaviors that is not of benefit, that it's not healthy. Um, there are treatments out there for those who end up developing um, some significant mental health disorder. It could be not, the trauma could, doesn't have to necessarily lead to PTSD. It could lead to an anxiety disorder or a major depressive disorder or, again, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, there are medications that are available. There are psychotherapies that are available. There's evidence-based um, therapies such as EMDR that are available. But the point is that um, if it is there, there are treatments that people need to be aware of, contacting a psychiatrist, a mental health provider, um, even sp speaking to your primary care physicians, getting into treatment if it's led to substance use. This is just the important things that you don't have to suffer alone, suffer silently, or be ashamed or feel guilty. A lot of times people who are victims of trauma, they feel ashamed and guilty that they somehow were responsible for this, um, but they don't have to and uh, to seek the treatment that they deserve. And the treatment is there and treatment does work. Yeah, like what you said the last there, you know, it's um, at the end there, you know, they're not responsible for their trauma. You know, I think that's important to remember. Um, so thank you for explaining all of that. And for those listening who may have experienced a traumatic event and are having trouble coping, know that you're not alone. You don't have to turn to substances to try and ease the stress and the pain. There are professionals out there who can help. You can learn more about trauma and addiction at addictioncenter.com, and you can also check out more podcast episodes there as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Straight Talk with the Doc.